Dear Founder, as you know, there's no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You wear so many hats, you burn the midnight oil, you pour your heart and soul into everything that you do. But without a doubt, the journey is worth every single second that you put into it. I'm Lindsay Pinchuk, host of the Dear Founder podcast. I say this because I've lived it for over a decade. I started my first company with $500 in my pocket and a baby in my belly. I grew it and I sold it all. This podcast is my weekly letter to you. We'll talk all things starting, growing, nurturing, and in some cases, even selling a business. Together with some of my closest contacts, I'm here to help you find your own success, whatever that means to you. The ride as a founder is the ride of your life. So come on in and join me for another episode that will get you one step closer to reaching your own founder goals. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Founder. I love today's conversation for so many reasons. One, I could have talked to Lily Fogel of Impressive Interviewing for hours, but two, her story is impressive in its own right. A one-time stay-at-home mom at the age of 50, Lily decided she wanted to start a business, especially as her girls were getting ready to leave to go to college. You'll hear the story today of how she landed on being an interview coach, but with that, I came to Lily because I put out a call for founders who have generated success from TikTok, and Lily has. But the interesting thing about Lily is that she isn't your typical TikToker. But today she's going to tell you exactly why she believes she has succeeded in the space. Lily Fogel is a certified employment interview professional and the founder of Impressive Interviewing. Her interview preparation service has helped hundreds of her clients and many of her 40,000 plus TikTok followers to get the job they want and deserve. Please come on in and meet Lily Fogel. All right. Today on Dear Founder, we have Lily Fogel, who's the founder of Impressive Interviewing. And she's very impressive herself. I am blown away by what she's done on social media. She started her business after her kids left the nest and she became an empty nester. And she is a rising TikTok star. And I'm just so enthralled and excited to hear your story, Lily. So welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here. This is the first time I've ever done a podcast. So this well, is very I, exciting for me. Good. So then we can say it's your favorite because when it's I'm absolutely the my favorite. <laughs> absolutely. So I, you have just such a, a cool business and not only a cool business, but you have a really cool way that you get customers. And so I'd love for you to kind of take us back and how you started the business and then kind of how you transformed things and started utilizing social media to build a community and to grow your customer base? Sure. Um, so first of all, I'm a big believer that it's never too late in your life to do something that you're really passionate about and create and, and that you really believe in. And I also believe it's never too late to pivot because my whole life, my whole career before I had kids was a series of pivots. I started um, very young at age 13 doing theater. Um, I did acting, I did stage managing, I did like house management, all of that. I went to college, I did theater. Um, and then at about age 25, I pivoted and decided I wasn't going to do theater anymore. And I started working in nonprofits and I wanted to work for organizations that I believed in. I worked for a settlement house. I worked for a civil rights organization. I ended up running a domestic violence and sexual assault project in a kind of urban under-resourced area. And then I pivoted again and became a full-time mom when I had my kids. So as my younger daughter, I have two girls, as my younger one was 
getting ready. She was about a year away from graduating high school. I looked around and I'm really fortunate to have an amazing group of women friends around me. And they were all, we were all about in our fifties, you know, some were 49, I was right around 50 years old. Um, and we were all kind of at the stage of life where our kids were going off and leaving the nest and they were doing these amazing things, right? They were, I had two friends who wrote a book and I had a friend who opened a boutique and I had a friend who left her job of 35 years as a healthcare lawyer to become a death doula and all kinds of things. And I thought, you know, this time of my life is really an opportunity for another pivot. It's an opportunity. Is there, is there something else I want to do? What do I want to create for myself for this time? And I knew a couple of things. I knew that it had to be something that I felt passionate about, that I believed in. I wanted it to be something that would have a positive impact, whether on the community or help people. And I was at the point in my life where I, I didn't need it to make a lot of money, but I also didn't want to invest a lot of money. And I was also at a point in my life where I wanted to be in control of my own time. You know, I love your podcast and I loved listening to Chrissy Fitchell of Apotheke talk about her story. And, but when she talked about how she spent six months working 12 hour days and grinding, I thought, I, I can't do that now. I don't want to do that now, right? Because my husband, who's a, he's an emergency physician. He's getting to the point in his life where he's doing a little less clinical work. He's teaching, but he travels all the time and teaches, you know, wilderness medicine and trauma medicine. He's leaving for Rwanda in two weeks. I want to, I'd never been able to go with him. I had been the full-time mom. I wanted to be able to go. I wanted to be mobile. I wanted to be in control of my own time. So I, I knew I wanted to teach interview skills. I knew that I could. I knew that everything I had done in my life had given me the skills to but teach. Why? It. Why interview skills? Like, what was that that like? Like, well, that's a different story. Okay. I can pivot to that story. So, um, cause it's a very unique thing that you do. Yes, so it is. It, like it is. why of all the things that you could teach, why that? So, um, <laughs> so I am living proof that interview skills can transform lives because I had my first big, big interview at age 25 and I totally blew it. Totally blew it. Here I had spent 12 years from age 13 to 25 wanting to be an actor. I had gone to an acting conservatory after college. I was living in New York. I was pounding the pavement, going on auditions, and I finally networked my way to an audition for a big, famous Broadway producer, Broadway director, excuse me. So I'm preparing my butt off for this audition. I'm working on my 16 bars. Uh, they gave me sides for this new Broadway show. I'm developing my character. I'm reading the sides. I rehearse. I even took a couple of dance classes, even though I wasn't a dancer, because I knew it was a musical and I wanted to be able to at least execute and sell uh, any combination they gave me, even if my technique was terrible. So I go into this audition and I nail my 16 bars. I think I did a good job with my sides. There was no dance part. And then there was an interview. Now I knew there was going to be an interview, but I didn't think I needed to prepare for it. I thought, oh, what do you need in an interview, right? You need to be naturally charming. You need to be funny and you need to be likable. I can do those things, right? So I go into the interview with this big famous Broadway director and he looks at my resume. Now my resume had like little things. I had never done anything big. I had done like little off-off Broadway musicals, a little improv comedy at a comedy club, uh, you know, just little things, children's repertory theater, nothing big. And he looks at my resume and he picks out an off, a little off-off Broadway musical I did when I was 13. And he asks me about it. 
He says, oh, I don't know this musical. Tell me about this. And I, thinking I'm being maybe charming and funny, I don't know, say, oh, that's, that's just some little off-off-Broadway thing I did when I was 13 years old. It really wasn't very good. It was this woman who thought she could be a playwright and she wrote this whole musical and she paid for the whole thing to be produced herself. Really, it wasn't that great. He looked me dead in the eye and he said, really? My mother wrote that show. Oh my God. I died. I died. I wanted the earth to open up and swallow me. I died. And here I am thinking, well, even if I'm not right for the show, maybe this big produce, this Broadway director will call me in for another show. I didn't get cast in anything. This director never called me. I bombed it because of the interview. So when I pivoted at age 25 and I decided, you know what? This acting thing really isn't working out. I want to work for an organization I believe in. I started sending out my resume to all the organizations that I believed in, right? I sent it out to National Organization for Women. I sent it out to Planned Parenthood. I sent it out for People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals. I sent it to civil rights organizations, the Southern Poverty Law Center. And not surprisingly, nobody gave me an interview because I was completely unqualified. All I had on my resume was, you know, little acting things, the off-off Broadway musical and, <laughs> and the little improv comedy and, and the kind of jobs that actors take when they have to pay the rent. You know, I had been a waitress. I had worked as an aerobics instructor. I had worked in the gym. So not surprisingly, nobody was calling me for interviews, but I'm a pretty good networker. So I networked my way and a friend of a friend of a friend got my foot in the door to interview at a civil rights organization. It was for a position that was out of state. I would have to move. Fine. I knew I had this one shot and I learned my lesson from the Broadway director. I was not going to blow it this time. But, you know, this is 1991 I'm talking about. There was no Internet. I couldn't just go online and Google interview skills, interview tips. I had to like go to the library. I had to take out books. I had to go to the bookstore. I had to buy books. I had to ask everybody, do you know anything about interviewing? Can you, does your, do your parents know anything about interview? Has your parents ever interviewed anybody? Would they talk to me about like what works and what doesn't? And I happened to have a friend by asking everybody who was going through some interview skills training. They were graduating from a graduate program and their school had interview skills training and he told me everything he was learning and I applied it to the position and I went in for the interview for the civil rights organization. And I, I really, I prepared so hard and I gave a killer interview and they hired me and I had no business getting that job. And afterwards, one of the two people that interviewed me, um, a woman who I subsequently became very good friends with said, Lily, I have to tell you, we never had anybody interview like that. Like you killed, you slayed that interview. And to be honest, you were not the most qualified candidate. <laughs> like, I know I wasn't the most qualified candidate, but um, that taught me something really important, which is interview skills are just skills. It has nothing to do with being naturally charming. It has nothing to do with being funny or what we think of as likable. Interviews are all about, do you have the skills to communicate your value to that organization or company? Do you have the skills to communicate your fit? Because interviews are about value and about fit. And I, subsequent to that, that woman who said, you know, you weren't the most qualified, but you gave the best interview. She went on to become a career coach. And every so often she would have a client that was a rock star client, but just couldn't get past the interview. And she'd call me and say, Lily, can you please do me a favor? Can you share some of your interview secrets with this client? <laughs> and every time I did, so I remember the first person she sent me 
oh, this kid was a rock star on paper. He was in his 20s. He was in system dynamics or something I didn't understand. And he really had a rock star resume. He kept getting the interviews, but he had zero communication skills, like literally had no interview skills. I think I worked with him twice. And the next two interviews he had, he got both of those job offers. So I knew that interview skills were powerful. I knew that this was something I could teach. I knew that everything I had done in my life, even and maybe especially being a full-time mom, had given me the skills and abilities I needed to be able to teach these skills effectively. So I knew it was what I wanted to do. But as I said, I didn't want to spend a lot of money. Um, I didn't I, I didn't need to make a lot, but I didn't want to invest a lot. So I started really small. So once I made the decision that this was what I wanted to do, I said, you know what, I'm going to, my goal is 10 clients in my first year. I was 52 years old. It was 2016. I'm 58 now. And I really believed, and I still do, that building a business does not have to require a large investment of money or even I, a huge investment of time. I totally agree with you. It I really doesn't. Couldn't and agree so, with you more. And, and so I didn't know the first thing about building a business, but I figured I needed two things if I was going to do this, right? First thing I needed was a website that would convince people that they needed an interview coach. People knew that there were resume writers out there and career coaches out there, but there really weren't a lot of interview coaches. People really thought that I don't need to prepare for an interview. I just need to be charming and funny and likable, right? So, or look up a couple of answers to particular questions. So I needed a website that would convince people um, that hiring me would give them value, that I could help them nail the interview. And then I needed a way for people to get to that website. So to build the website, again, I didn't want to spend a lot of money. I did a build your own website. And it probably looked, I know it looked like a build your own website. My daughter told me it looked like a kindergartner had done it, but it had the content that I needed. And it worked to. probably what for what you needed in the moment. It, 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 it had the content. I was able, I think, successfully to put content up that communicated that if you are in a moment of panic, if you just got notified that you have an interview and it's coming up and you need help right away, I, I'm here to help you and I can help you nail the interview. So once I had the website up and it didn't cost me much, like I said, the website was free. I think I invested a total of $150, 75 for the first year of posting and 75 for my domain name, impressive interviewing and my mailbox. So then I needed to get people to the website. So I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know from social media. I didn't even touch social media then. I figured if I'm, if I got the call that I have an interview in a week, what am I going to do? I'm going to Google. I'm going to go to Google and I'm going to Google interview skills or interview tips or interview help. So I thought, okay, I'll buy a Google ad. And I bought the cheapest Google ad I could possibly buy. It was $40 a month. And that's how I started my business. And here was the big surprise. My little $40 a month Google ad actually started bringing me clients. And I didn't understand why at the time. I understand now why it was because you know, I had a friend who was trying to build a practice as a couples therapist. And she's like, Lily, if I bought a $40 a month Google ad, it wouldn't work. Like there's so much competition in my field. I was so niche. If you were trying to get interview skills in 2016, if you went to Google and you typed in like interview tips, interview skills, you had three things that would come up other than like articles about interview tips, three ways to get help. One was you'd see these courses. For $199 or $69, we'll send you DVDs and a book, right? That was number one. So you could like do it yourself. Or you could hire a career coach 
career coaches did interview skills as part of a package. They charged like $1,500 or $3,000, or if you're at the executive level, you know, $10,000. And for that, you got the resume writing, the cover letter, the LinkedIn profile, and they'll coach you on interview skills too. So that was not the market I was looking for, right? I wanted to help people in that moment of pre-interview panic when, so, and the third, the third thing you would get if you Googled is you got resume writers. That was the other way to get interview skills coaching. Resume writers, if you pay them a couple of hundred bucks, they'll write your resume and for a couple of extra hundred bucks, they'll coach you. So I was one of the few people that was really just marketing myself as an interview coach. And that's why my little $40 a month um, Google ad was successful. So I was absolutely determined that anyone who bought my services felt like they got great value. So I priced myself super low. I priced myself in the beginning at $99 for three sessions. And each session was like an hour or two. I mean, Lindsay, I know babysitters who charge more for their time than I was charging. At but that time. you were doing it to get the experience. You were doing it to right. get the testimonials. And that's you, right. And you built upon that. You that's have right. to start somewhere. That's right. And much to my delight, my goal for the first year was 10 clients. And I actually ended up with more than 50. Oh, my God. It was I, so like, was, did you were you getting you were getting clients from the Google ad? And then were you then once you started working with clients, were you getting clients from word of mouth as well? So I started getting referrals. Okay. I started getting repeat clients when they decided to pivot or go for a promotion. And then something really great happened that I totally didn't expect. My organic search ranking on Google started climbing up again. I'm really niche. And I had a blog. where I was like putting articles with free interview tips. So suddenly, if you were Googling and you put in interview coach, I was on page one, even without my ad, which was great. So I started getting clients from that too. So, and every time, every time it got too much and I was like, I'm getting too many clients, I would just raise my rate by $50, right? So that's what I would do. And that would slow it down a little bit. And then it would get busy again. And I'd raise my rate and that would slow it down a little bit. But that is such a smart business tip for someone who's in a service-based business. I was talking yesterday with um, someone who like we brainstorm a lot on like how to sell our services. And, you know, she, she was saying like, when I started, you know, my mentor and my coach told me like, just price it at this and you'll know if people come or if they don't come and then you can adjust. And so that is such a good tip for you to mm -hmm. share because I also tell people like, if you're feeling overwhelmed, raise your price. Yeah, like you should be getting more. I mean, it was really important to me to stay accessible. I, right. I, I, you know, now I've stopped raising my price because I really want to stay accessible um, to in the market that I'm in. I, I'm really not interested in, you know, charging thousands of dollars and only working with executives and people with six and seven figure salaries. I like working with the people that I work with. Um, and one of the other things that was really important to me, it was important to me to feel like every client really got value. So I did that by keeping my price low, but I also did that by collecting data. So from client one, every client that has come to me in six years gets an intake form and an outcome assessment. And that intake form, you know, it has like the stuff I need to know to work with them, but it has one part where I say, here are 10 interview skills, rate your confidence level with each one on a scale of one to five. And then when they're done with coaching, I ask them to do it again. So that way I can really see what value are they getting from what I'm doing and how can I get better? So right? smart. So I, I, I started collecting data and what the data told me in the beginning was like, 
this had a lot of value. Like my clients were giving me amazing feedback and even better, my clients were getting the job. So I knew this was, there was a huge market for this. I knew that this was something of value. I, like I said, I'm a, I really believe that interview skills can transform careers and change lives. I just want to take a minute to say thank you. In just a few short months, this podcast has reached some incredible milestones, namely helping so many of you. From founding, growing, and selling my first company and now helping others to do the same, so many of you trust me right here on the podcast, but also through my classes, my one-on-one programs, and my social media. Your belief in me is so appreciated, and now I can help you to grow your own personal brand or your company's community through content, social media, partnerships, email, collaborations, and more. Just click the link in the show notes and fill out the form. Grab 30 minutes with me. We can chat, connect. I'd love to get to know you and your business and perhaps even have the chance to work with you. Thanks so much for being here. You told me before we, before we like started that you put so much time and effort and even money into LinkedIn and Instagram and Facebook. And Uh you just were felt like you were spinning your wheels and nothing was happening. And then in January you started on TikTok and that transformed your business. And So that is really, I want to talk about that because I will tell you that so many of my listeners are not very similar to you, very similar to me in the demographic. And I'm using air quotes right now for those listening um, of TikTok. And, you know, and I, I have been very open with, I find it so intimidating. I put up these videos, you know, and they're like packed with information and I get a few hundred views and my kid puts up a video of her shampoo and she gets 20,000 views. And I'm like, <laughs> what, like what the, the F is going on right now? Because this is so annoying. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I'm so enthralled by this because like, you are not your typical TikToker, you know, no. like you are, you are not like someone who's showing products or whatever, even, you know? Mm. And so I want to know how that happened and like Mm -hmm. what gave you the push to go on there and then like what's happened. Sure. Um, So I started the push on social media to begin with because um, after COVID, like my business really slowed down from March to August in 2020. Um, No one was interviewing. No one was hiring. And then when things started to... Right? I mean... I was going to say, I can't even imagine what happened after that. Like, Well, what happened after that was that so many people who got laid off and lost their job wanted to get a job and they were out looking for jobs, but not a lot of people were hiring yet. So the competition was really, really steep. And I got a lot of calls. I mean, just look at what happened to the college grads, you know, the class of 2019, most of them were the last hired. So they were the first laid off when COVID hit class of 2020 didn't even have a hiring period. And the class of 2021 had to compete with the class of 20 and the class of 2019. So what happened was I started getting calls from people that really needed my help, but they couldn't afford my one-on-one fee. So I wanted to do a class and I had done groups. I had been hired by people to come in and do groups before I'd done some work with the Navy. I had done some work with some colleges. I had trained 110 college seniors at one college. Uh, I work with an organization with one in a million, uh, sorry, 1.5 million coding members. They're all coders and software developers. Um, but I wanted to be able to put together my own online class to say, you know, I'm going to do a class for, and my target market was that 21 
to 30 year old, you know, you either didn't haven't gotten a job yet, or you got laid off from your job because of COVID and you need some help with interview skills and you don't have a lot of money. And I was going to price it like, you know, 10, 15, $20 a person. My hope was to be able to fill the class with like 25 to a hundred people, right? I got my first Zoom account then because until then I had been working on FaceTime and Skype. Um, and so <laughs> first I tried doing it just with what worked for me the first time, a Google ad. Google ad didn't work for a class. It was a total fail. Nobody came except my kids' friends. Um, so then I thought, oh, okay, I need to go on social media. So that's why I decided to go on social media. I thought, I'm going to hire a social media strategist. I'm going to invest a little money. I'm going to get on Facebook. I'm going to get on Instagram. I'm going to get on LinkedIn. And I'm going to advertise this class and I'm going to give it three months to develop a following. And then I'll have a class of like a hundred people. It did not go that way. I tried everything. I made a Facebook uh, account for my business. I did a Facebook ad. I boosted it twice. I made an event. I think after three months, I posted so the social media strategist I hired, she was wonderful. She taught me about Canva, how to make templates, how to make posts, hashtags, engaging content, all that good stuff. She sent me a schedule. I posted three times a week for three months. And at the end of that three months, what I had to show for was maybe 100 followers on Facebook and maybe 250 on Instagram and one person in my class. So at the end of that, I was ready to give up on social media. And by the way, here's why I didn't even try TikTok. I didn't even consider TikTok, one, because I had this idea that the demographic was too young for my market, right? It turns out I was incorrect about that, but that's what I thought at the time. Oh, it's young kids, it's teenagers. Also, I didn't think I had the tech skills. You know, I thought it was really time intensive. You need to post constant content. And the content was intimidating with the green screen and the fancy editing and the filters and the dancing and the pointing and the text showing up and the graphics. And I thought, this is just, it's more than I can do three times a week. So I wasn't going to do it, but I did start following content creators in my space, right? I started following career coaches and resume writers and interview coaches on TikTok. And I had been following them for about a year and a half. And I love TikTok. I mean, I can easily waste some time on TikTok every day. Now, of course, I call it work, haha. But <laughs> at the time, and then I saw, you know, some of these content creators on TikTok, their advice is gold, um, and some of them is not. And I saw a content creator give an interview tip that was 100% incorrect. It was exactly what not to do in an interview. And I kind of got pissed off. I thought, look at these people looking at this video. I'm looking at the comments. They're like, thank you so much. I'm going to try this in my next interview. And it was just wrong. Like it was the wrong way to answer that particular question. So in a fit of, I got to do something about this. I just picked up my phone and I thought, no fancy editing, no dancing and pointing. I'm not going to make martinis while I, or do makeup while I give out interview tips. I'm just going to hold my phone. I'm going to talk like I'm talking to a client and I'm going to say what they need to know about how to answer this question. And I'm going to post it. So I did that. It took me all of four minutes because I did the video and then I, I think I took a minute to put in some hashtags and caption it. And that's it. I sent it off. Right. And I got a little traction. I got a couple hundred followers. So I, I thought, you know, there's actually another way you can answer that question. I'll do a part two. And I did that. So my first video I posted about four months ago, January 20th. I don't know when this is going to air, but January 20th, 2022, I posted my first video. And two weeks later, I posted my fourth video and it went viral. It now has 1.4 million views. What's it about? I did how to start your answer to tell me about yourself. 
And it was nothing I had seen anybody on TikTok say. And again, I follow all the content creators. But again, I think part of why I've had success on TikTok, so now I've got 40,000 followers. It's been, you know, about four months. I think part of why I'm successful is how niche I am. Because when I look, I actually took a look at all the content creators um, that are in my space. There are resume, there are career coaches, there are resume writers, and there are interview coaches. And if I just look at the people with over 10,000 followers, there are easily over 100 career coaches with over 10,000 followers. Like that field is, is pretty, pretty, pretty full. If you look at resume writers, there's easily 20 to 40 resume writers with over 10,000 followers. But people who are just interview, there's like five, and I'm one of them. So, and the other thing is, I don't know if you've noticed, but I don't have hundreds and hundreds. I know they say on TikTok, you have to keep, you have to keep posting, keep posting, keep posting. I'm not posting if I don't have something that I think is valuable to say, because I don't want people who come to my profile to have to wade through things to find the gold that they need. Right now, there's about an hour of content on my profile. I've got like 30 or 35 videos each one somewhere between one to three minutes. You can go watch all my videos in less than an hour and a half. And you've had like a private uh, interview coaching webinar. So okay, so you go viral on TikTok. You have 40,000 followers on TikTok, yeah. which is really amazing. What happens to your business? And so, and how does this impact your bottom line? So good things happen to my business. Good things happen. So the first thing is, it is bringing in a slow but steady stream of clients. I probably get one new client a week just from TikTok. Um, it's also giving me amazing opportunities like being on this podcast, which happened because of TikTok, because one of my clients who found me through TikTok knew about your podcast, knew you were looking for somebody well, and this put was, us together. This is very interesting. And I don't know if you know how much of the backstory this is, but um, and I'm going to share it. And the reason I'm going to share it is because it just goes to show how powerful your network can be. I am in a Facebook group um, for PR people. I've been it for about 10 years since it was like a thousand people. And now it's like 20 something thousand people. I often post anytime I'm going to be on TV or if I'm in a, um, if I, if I need something specific for the podcast, I'll post there and say, does anyone have a client that is X, Y, and Z? My guess is this, this, client of yours is in the PR marketing content creation space and is in that group because I made one post in that group. And I said, I am looking for people, women, female founders who have used TikTok to revolutionize their business. If you know of someone, please send them my way. I'd like to interview them for my podcast. And I got about three or four really good, solid responses, you being one of them. And so that just goes to show the power of asking, the power yeah. of your network. And, you know, putting yourself out there. And like, if you wouldn't have done that and put yourself out there, like, then to your point, doors open. Yeah, absolutely. And I've gotten other opportunities as well. I've been approached by uh, startups to collaborate with them. Um, fun things. But so in addition to the steady stream of clients, which of course I appreciate, but I am pretty busy. In addition to these wonderful opportunities, which are, you know, challenging and fun and something new. My favorite part about TikTok is not a day goes by where I don't see somebody put a comment on one of my posts that says the equivalent of, I just want to thank you. I watched your videos and I got the job. And that 
you know, I used to get a thank you note from a client. You know, I would when they would get the job, I'd get a wonderful testimonial. I'd get a great Google review. They'd send me a lovely note. And they really made my day. Like, this is why I do this. But to get that every day, like, it's just amazing. The, I mean, how fulfilling that is to know that I'm reaching so many people. Again, I really believe in interview skills. I believe that they can transform lives. I think most people don't understand what interview skills are. They're just skills like driving or, or playing an instrument or playing a sport. They're a skill that can be taught, that can be learned, that can be practiced, and that can be mastered. And when you learn interview skills, it changes the game in an interview. So... I, I mean, I like, I'm so, I, I like need to go like, look at your TikTok more in depth after this. Cause I told you this is a pain point for me. And I know it is a pain point for a lot of people listening because like you and me, a lot of people listening um, who are founders are, you know, have mastered Instagram, have mastered Facebook or, you know, or are comfortable, but are really uncomfortable with TikTok. Um, what would you tell someone who's like, nervous or wants to get started or like, what would you say is like the first step? Like what would be some tips for getting started on TikTok? I actually, I mean, listen, I'm no TikTok expert, but for me, I think the key was authenticity. If I had tried to give those same tips while dancing to uh, whatever is the hot new song and pointing and having the tips show up as graphic, like nobody wants to see me dancing, right? <laughs> like that's, if I had done it that way, I don't think it would have gone viral. I don't think I'd have the, it would have gotten the traction that it got. I think that everybody has their own authentic way of communicating and you have to say something new. You have to say something that's, that gives value. But I think if you're giving value and you're communicating authentically, then you'll find your community. You know, it took a while for people who are interviewing and in that moment of pre-interview panic to find my TikTok. But once they did, um, then TikTok began to understand who to show my video to. And then it just started, you know, going on from there. And so I know you said you don't post just to post, which I think is such great advice, no matter what social medium you're you're if it is going, you're going to, because I mean, at the end of the day, like no one wants to watch garbage, but do you have like kind of a strategy or a cadence or like, do you try to show up a certain amount of times? Because that's the other thing too. I think a lot of people feel there it's very cumbersome. It takes a lot of time and they need to show up like, you know, a few times a week or whatever it is. Do you have a recommendation there? I mean, I know that the social media strategists I work with and the common wisdom is you need to post regularly, particularly on TikTok. And there are TikTok creators whose, whose posts are about how to beat the TikTok algorithm and how to get followers. And they say you have to post regularly. So my advice or what I'm doing is definitely not uh, consistent with what people who are so-called experts on TikTok will tell you. It's just what I wanted to do. It's just, I didn't want to be inauthentic. I, I was doing it to get the information that I wanted to communicate. Today's episode is brought to you by Hivecast, an amazing agency providing high quality podcast production made simple and affordable. I hit the jackpot when I came across Hivecast as I pieced together services from contractors all over the web initially to help me with my podcast. Hivecast was everything that I needed all in one place. For just $500 per month, they not only produce and edit four episodes, but they also create the marketing assets. 
Emma, my account manager, is amazing, making sure that I'm on task and that we can schedule episodes regularly and by my deadlines. Honestly, the time saved working with Hivecast is worth at least triple what I'm paying. Their sister company, Fireside, offers other marketing services for small businesses, including social media management, Facebook and Instagram ads, search engine marketing, and so much more. Again, all at a rate palatable by a small business owner. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. But I think, though, that that goes to show that there isn't just one way to do it. And a lot of times these creators are posting what they're posting based on potentially their own experience, but their experience is, is not necessarily driving bottom line results. It's growing a number. It's not necessarily a number that's translating. So just because you have so many followers doesn't mean that those followers are converting or they're the right followers. And so, you know, you made, you made a comment earlier about how, uh, you know, someone made a, a comment that was exactly what not to do in an interview and that that made you insane. And I can't even tell you how insane I get when, when I see business advice that very similarly, like maybe from someone who, oh, there are a lot of people out there who post things that are hearsay, that are not even their own experiences, who are telling people how to grow businesses and how to be present on social and how to do these things. They haven't even done them themselves. That's so, right. you know, I think it's really important to, to both your point and my point in sharing this, that you know who you're getting your information from. And just because you might have a lot of numbers or you might come across someone who's like TikTok famous, that doesn't necessarily mean they're the right person to give you the advice. That's absolutely right. Um, And I I think another thing going along with that, I also think you can look and see which creators are, for lack of a better word, trying too hard to beat the algorithm. And I think that can backfire a little bit. You might get the numbers, but I don't know that you get the depth. I don't know that you get the loyalty. I don't know if you're building community with that kind of post. You know, I see people who are just like, I'm going to do a TikTok trend because that's going to keep me on the for you page. or get me followers, but that's not really adding to the community you're trying to build. So again, I think that the reason why I've had some success, and again, by the way, 40,000 followers for me is thrilling by TikTok standards. That's not a whole lot. I mean, by TikTok standards, you want to be in the millions, right? Um, But for me, for what I'm doing, for what my goals were on being on TikTok, I'm getting to the people that need to hear this stuff. I'm getting to the people in their moment of pre-interview panic. And that's what matters to me is that I'm helping people. I don't care if other people don't see me. I just want to get to the people. And that's where being niche matters, right? That's where saying, I'm really going to narrow my focus as to who my market is for my TikTok videos, for the community that I want to build. You know, you're all about community. That's your superpower. You've built community. And that's what being on TikTok is. It's building your community. And just to really be mindful of what the parameters are and how can I speak to just that community and don't care if the greater you know, uh, community or public is seeing you on their forward you page and is scrolling by if the people that you want to be in your community are stopping to look at it and give it a like or give it a follow. So what would you tell, what would you tell someone who wants to start a new business later in life? And I love that you 
or even not later in life, just in general. But I love that you have started a business later in life because I think I have a lot of people listening who are reinventing themselves after their kids start school or leave the house or whatever. Um, but you know, I also just think that what you've done is so remarkable because at the top of this, you said you didn't want to invest a lot of money in a business. And, um, you know, like I, when I started bump club, I, I did it with a $500 investment and people don't, people are like, what, you know? And I'm like, no, you don't need big budgets. You don't need a big marketing budget. There are ways to market yourself for free. You know, that's what I teach obviously, Um, But you did this in such a remarkable way. And also like you were home for a really long time, raising your kids, raising two remarkable kids, I want to say, who are, uh, Lily told me at the top of this and I, my mouth was on the table and I was like, can you come raise mine? But, (laughs) um, you know, what would you tell someone who wants to get started no matter what stage they're at? So, you know, it's never too late to pivot. You don't have to have a traditional background. I think that's the thing I see some of my friends that's holding them back is they're like, well, you know, I haven't done anything in this many years. And before that, this was what I did. So I need to stick with that. You don't need to stick with that because the truth is when you get to age 50 or whatever age you're at, everything you've done in your life has given you skills and abilities that are transferable, right? Things I did as a full-time mom are absolutely part of what make me great at what I'm doing now. So don't worry about what it looks like on paper, particularly if you're building it yourself. It's not like you need a resume that's somebody that's going to sell you in six seconds and convince someone to hiring you. You know, you're betting on yourself and everything you've done has given you transferable skills and abilities. But here's the other thing. If you are willing to work hard and learn on the fly, there's really nothing you can't do. Right. And there was a lot of learning on the fly for me. um, And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the challenge. Some some of them were harder than others. The whole search engine optimization thing threw me for a curve. The whole website maintenance. Oh, my God. Worms, bots, spam, viruses. Like that was a whole big learning curve. But if you're willing to learn on the fly, if you're willing to deep dive. um, And so I would say don't hold yourself back from creating what you want to create for this opportunity. It's an opportunity when you get to the stage in your life that I'm at, it's an opportunity to create something new. And I don't know how many more times in my life I'll have that. You know, when you're young, you have every opportunity in the world. And as you go through life, the opportunities get smaller and smaller and smaller. You know, you close some doors as you go. Um, And I'm at the stage of my life where I've got this big door of opportunity to walk through and say, what do I want to create? Make the most of it. Don't do something that you don't want to do. This is your chance to create something that you believe in, that you feel passionate about. You don't need to have a lot of money. It doesn't need to be something you have any traditional experience. You will figure it out. And when you wake up every single morning, like, are you excited to get going and get started with what you're doing? Oh my God, yes. I love what I do. I love what I do. I love every new challenge that comes my way. Um, You know, one of the things I love is my clients, my one-on-one clients, They come from such diverse areas, you know, both geographically as well as, you know, their background, but also what they do. So every new, every time I get somebody in a new field, it's like I'm learning a whole new world. You know, when I got a zookeeper who hired me, that was a whole new world. Um, It's just, it's, I love what I do. I love knowing that I'm giving value. I love helping people get the job that they want that they deserve. I love learning something new every day. And you can tell. So 
Lily Fogel from Impressive Interviewing, thank you so much for sharing your story. It is such a great one. I cannot wait to share it with our community. And if you are out there and listening and you are in need of some interview help, Lily is your person. So make sure you are following her on TikTok and on Instagram and you can go to her website. It's linked in the show notes and you can check out everything that she has to offer because you can tell from her testimonials that she knows how to get the job done. So Lily, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. This was a ton of fun. I really appreciate the invitation. I hope that you loved today's episode and our conversation as much as I love talking to Lily Fogel. I'll be sending her takeaways out to my email list, so make sure that you subscribe. When you do, you'll also get a lesson every week to help you grow your own business. But for now, here are the top five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, you can start a business without spending a lot of money. Set a goal for yourself, start small and move the needle from there. Building a business does not require a large investment of money. Number two, you need two things when you start a business. Number one, a website to convince people to hire you and that you can help them. And number two, a way to get people to that website. Number three, if you are getting too busy as a service-based provider, it is time to raise your rate. Number four, make sure you make sure every single client feels that they are getting value. And number five, don't try to beat the algorithm. It can absolutely backfire on you. You're not necessarily building your community, garnering trust or loyalty with that kind of post. Success on TikTok and other in, in other social media boils down to your authenticity. You have to have an authentic way of communicating, but you also have to say something new and give something of value. If you like what you're hearing on Dear Founder, please make sure that you take out your phone, scroll all the way down and click that five-star rating or leave a review. When you do this, it helps others to find us and the incredible guests that we have here every single week. You can also make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever it is that you listen. That way you'll never miss an episode. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who has an idea, please make sure you text them this episode. You can put it on Instagram as well. Tag me. I'll share some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Founder coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday. 